Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Hi there. Welcome to Spinning Plates. How are you? How's it all going? I am greeting you from the serenity of my youngest's room and Rizzo the cat has just come to join me. But I suspect she won't really uh, contribute very much. She's, um, how old are you now, Rizzo? 17, eh? That's pretty senior. She still looks young. I don't reckon, I reckon when she's out and about, other cats are really blown away when she tells them how old she is. She looks a lot younger. Um, Today I am surrounded by clothes. I've been pulling out my wardrobe. I'm going off to film a TV programme this afternoon. It's a show called Would I Lie to You? Have you heard of it? It's basically a show where you tell, you say things and sometimes you're speaking the truth and sometimes you're lying and then the other team have to guess. And in my mind, I'm going to be quite good at lying. I think it's making the truth look like a lie that I might struggle with. Let us see. I'll get back to you with how that went. It's also weird when you have to pick an outfit for, for doing those kind of... Sort of quiz show, game show things, because only the top half of your body is going to be shown. I have to pick a dress with a nice top, or just a nice top, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, how did you find last week's podcast with Hella Thorny Schmidt? Wasn't she lovely? Thanks for all the positive feedback from that one. And I love the eclecticism of this series so far. So we've gone from a Spice Girl to a former Prime Minister, and now we go to an LGBTQ disabled rights activist and also someone I'm lucky enough to call a friend with Kath Gillespie-Sells, MBE no less. So Kath is the mother of Dan, Dan Sells from The Feeling, my husband's band. Bear with me. So I've known Kath for getting on for 20 years now and I've always loved her company. One of those very resilient, 
wise, kind women, lovely to spend time with. And as I've got to know her, I've got to know her story. But even then, you know, you never really get the full 360 of someone's life until you sit down and actually interview them in the way that I get to do for the Spinning Plates podcast. So thank you for giving me that chance because, wow, what a privilege. I can't wait to share this story with you. You know, she started her tale uh, in a straight relationship working as a ward nurse and finished the other side of motherhood as a newly disabled woman, young kids, who then found herself realising that actually she didn't want to be in a straight relationship at all and that's became her, you know, start of her life living as a lesbian and all that that entailed in the 80s. So she'll tell you all about that. One thing I should make clear, which doesn't quite come across in our chat because uh, we spoke for a really long time and I could have easily done another hour if I wanted to <laughs> not wear Kath out too much. Uh, Delish, who is the other mother of her third son, Tashka, Delish and Kath are no longer together anymore. Um, so I don't think that came across... But apart from that, I think we're good to go, actually. And I think you're going to love this story and adore Kath because she really is one of those people I'm incredibly lucky to have her in my life. And thank you so, so much to her for her generosity with her time and patience with me in telling her extraordinary story. I shall see you on the other side. Thank you so much for today, Kath. It's um, it's lovely to speak to you, and you are only the yeah. second time that I've spoke, I've interviewed someone for the podcast who I actually know really well in real life. The only other person was my mum, and um. I actually found that really hard. It's actually quite hard talking to someone that you know really well because <laughs> it's not, and you know, you don't normally have those kind of chats. Um, no, you don't. But I did want to speak to you about so many things, and I thought. I thought it might be as well to be a little Julie Andrews uh, and start at the very be- beginning, because it's a very good place to start, <laughs> and ask what I was going that. on in your life when you were having your first baby. Oh, that's a question. Good question. <laughs> good question. Uh, what's going on in my life when my first baby? I, um, I had very recently been told that um, I had a spinal cord disease condition and that it would probably get worse and um, the that was caused by the septicemia. Yeah. Right. But unbeknownst to me or anybody else, the septicemia was also in my pelvis. Oh, wow. So it was a case of, have you thought about kids? And, of course, we had. Um, Keith and I always wanted kids so um, I said yeah yeah have you thought about having them now no no (laughs) wasn't ready you know thought I was going to get back to work Um, it's put lots of things home you know difficult and quite exciting but having kids and having them now even if they're not planned by you mm. planned by some medic um so this was as a result so at the time you've been working as a nurse is that right yeah i was working as i was working as a, a nurse and i was a, a ward sister at a local district general hospital which is barnet 
and um, I got to. I had a, I had two wards to look after basically, mm -hmm. and um, I had to do so so many teaching hours as a ward sister. You had to. So, of my teaching hours, I chose to, to do this nasty dressing because you know everybody has to do nasty dressing at some stage. So, I got the students round and I did this did this uh, desloughing a wound. It's not nice. Oh. What is that? um, that's like anyway, cleaning it, like changing the dress changing the dressings on the wound it's um well it's it's a bit more unpleasant than that after if if something is infected and it's left it coats over oh. and you get like a i'm not going to say top of the custard because you never touch custard again but it gets like a skim <laughs> over it <laughs> those two things are forever linked in my mind now <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> sorry anyway it gets it gets a skin formed yeah. on it and um Oh, you have to take uh, it off. A nasty colour one, and and you have to, and it has to. You have to. You have to cut it off, and 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 then you go in and start peening out all the gubbins. And um, as I say, it's, it, it's some people can go through their career and not have to do it mm -hmm. at all, but others it could be something that you come across depends where you work. Um, so I wanted to to get these guys to do it, and it looks good on their on their tick sheet. Um, so I got that done, and just as I was finishing, finished the dressing, uh, and I just said, "Don't forget to, to leave the patient comfortable and tidy." And I just ran my hand along the side of the bed uh, to to straighten the sheet, matron him talking to the back of my head, and um, I got a splinter in my right ring finger, and that caused a septicemia, which then caused the infection in my in my abdomen and the longer nasty cyst in my spinal cord, wow. which is the one that's called the ongoing disability for forty years now. Anyway, so um, so it was a case of having I can't remember what your question was now, but having seen that there was yeah. um, an an infection there, it was a, a case of right. We could we can blow the floating tubes and we can help you now. But if you leave it any longer, they're going to get infected as well and then they will close down and no eggs, there's no chance of getting eggs through. So Wow, and so how quickly did it go from that day with the splinter to being told all this information with the sort of long-term effects? Oh, it was, it was a few years. It was, okay. um, it was about three years. Three, yeah, I had... Um, yeah, three years only. Wow. Um because, and some of that was having the ch having having James as well. Mm. Because um, just a few years after that, I got my first spinal stroke, and then I was in hospital having my back opened and my, my back. Well, I couldn't actually do anything, but sewn up. But at least we had a proper diagnosis mm. then, because it was just before MRIs, and you couldn't actually see into the spinal cord. So the only way you could see what was going on was to actually open it and look at it. Wow. So um so I had I had that that laminectomy done and I was nursed in the raw free. And Keith used to bring the babies up to me to see them. And um so they were Wow. I'd had them in that uh, and that was that was in eighty one so I'd had the, I'd had the kids by then. So just so to get a sort of three years. chronology of it this is what in your sort of 
mid twenties, is it, or or younger than that? Okay, yeah. So you twenty seven. You're twenty seven. So you get the splinter. You haven't got any babies at that point. Uh, no, just you no, and Keith, no, no, no. and you're, you know, thinking about your future. You thought maybe at some point you have babies, but for the time being, you had this yeah. career trajectory in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you, once you'd already got the septicemia and things were looking quite serious, that's when you actually got pregnant with James. Yes. And that was at the suggestion yeah. of the people treating you, saying, we think you should probably get a bit of a hush yeah. on with this. We, we'll, we'll blow your tubes and see what happens. Wow. So actually the fact that you had those two babies was really already odds were sort of against you. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and that's why they're so quick between What's the gap them, between Dan and James? 18, 18 months. 18 months, right, yeah, that is a small. Yeah, yeah, it's quite tight. Yeah, but how did you manage with you know. very tiny babies at a time when you were physically adjusting to new sort of disability? Oh, it was very, it was very, very difficult, very difficult. It's difficult for a couple of reasons, apart from, um, I kind of thought, well, I need to re- I need to rethink lots of things, mm. you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to continue to bring in an income? Keith and I were doing the job share, you know, not a job share, we were doing a, a role reversal. So he, he'd always agreed to be the one that stayed at home when we had kids. And I would continue to work. So I had the career mm. and he didn't care about a career. He, you know, he, he was a very, very clever uh, mechanical engineer, but he wasn't interested in any career structure. He just, every time he got promoted, he left the job. Oh, wow. He just wasn't. Yeah, just wasn't what turned so, on. No, no, just got that sort of G. Yeah. So um, he, yeah, so um, I always, so. It went. Um, it went quickly from um, having having the kids, but also in in getting that kind of, you know, you're working full time. You you know you've got this trajectory, as you say, and you've got all your planning ahead. You know what you're going to do when you're going to do it, as much as any of us can. And then suddenly you're toppled off of yeah. that, and you're thinking, you know. You know, is this really going to happen? When is it going to happen? Um, you know, when am I going to become disabled? What does this mean? Um, surely I should start thinking about doing something else. Okay, I can't nurse, mm. but surely I can teach. You know, I've got a mouth on me, <laughs> I can teach. Um, so, uh, as, you know, it's thinking about the future. What else can I do? You know, I was the kind of young woman that, could not sit at home. Mm. So um, I loved being a mum. I loved having the kids around me, but I loved going to work mm. too. Um, and it, and all that kind of balancing act, which was difficult enough, but um, I don't know. I just felt I needed to keep trying for something. I felt I was giving up if I didn't. I was giving up on this young woman that, wanted to do something with her life mm. and um so i i retrained as as a teacher so um in fact when i i one of the my very first course i i did in a, in a um i just had dan baby number mm-hmm. two and he was oh he was he was literally just born and I signed up for this course. I must be mad. 
Anyway, <laughs> took that postnatal postnatal. Um, I could do anything. <laughs> I could. I had the opposite to depression. I was superwoman. <laughs> I was going to fly to the college with Dan on my back. But anyway, <laughs> I went to college and I, I said, and I, you know, they, they signed me up and said, yeah, you, you know, you work, you come and do this. It's to start with. It's a day and a half a week, and then if you do get this course, you go on to Middlesex Uni and you do, do something else there. So I did this. Uh, uh, this introductory course, um, it was, uh, I don't know what it was, it was Sissing Gill's course, I remember now. And the the uh, the wonderful woman that was running the course, I said to her, there's only one problem, I've got a small child and I'm breastfeeding. So I said, can I run home in between, you know, one half of the session and the other half and come back. So she said, oh, bring the baby in, sit him in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and if he cries, feed him. I'm sure no one else will mind, will yeah. you? Wow, you know, that's great. <laughs> and who's going to say no? Oh, I mind, <laughs> miss. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, we, uh, so yeah, he was, he was in the corner. I did that and um, it was all a bit nuts, to be honest. I don't think there was an awful lot planned. It was just like rolling into... Oh, here's something else about my disability. You know, here's another problem. Mm. Uh, you know, oh, I'm getting through that. Oh, here's another problem. Oh, I'm getting through that. Do you know what I mean? It was just like up, down. It was a seesaw, riding a seesaw. Up until really, um, up until I sort of, Keith and I had separated fully and um, I I'd, I'd bought my own flat and Dulish moved in and it's some sort of semblance of a life. Yes. But that, that took, that you know, that took an awful lot of, uh, not so much planning, but dealing with yeah. thinking, thinking about, for me, the welfare of the children as much as the welfare to Keith and myself. Yeah, and I, I suppose, I mean... Becoming someone that was uh, working on one trajectory to suddenly finding yourself within the space of, let's say, four or five years, uh, now a disabled mother to two young children. Um, it sounds like you had so much resilience and also sort of almost like a quite a good understanding of what mental strategy would allow you to cope with that in that you you felt almost quite instinctively I must keep working and that that made you feel quite empowered it sounds like when you said you know you're like I was just going to get there with Dan on my back you know that's not that's that's more than just survival that's sort of an understanding of what what you needed to still feel so free and able in your in your head I suppose is had your life been quite calm up until that moment when you became ill and stopped being a nurse. I mean, were there previous times yeah. when you'd had to deal with ups and downs like that? Yeah, I often wonder what life would have been like had that not happened. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's a huge you thing. You look back and think... It changed everything. What if? Yeah, because um, Keith and I had been together... Um, probably we got married in 71 mm-hmm. and um, I'd had... I, yeah, I'd had the babies and... I had my spinal stroke in 81, mm. so within that time. But we'd had a, a good, it seemed longer because, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm so old now, but it seemed between being getting married at 
20, I was 20, and um, having to, uh, and becoming disabled at 27, mm. it just seemed like we had a good chunk of living. Yes. And we went, we went to Canada and we spent, spent a good while over there just trying life over there. Didn't suit us. We came back, bought a house in Barnet. Um, we were living in Barnet. We both had jobs. Um, we were doing up an old house, that this old house, and we both loved doing mm. it, you know. So we both enjoyed ripping out the bathroom and putting, putting tiles up and... You know, it's uh, if a, if a, a tile on the roof slipped, Keith had all the knowledge, but he was scared of height, so he'd go up, you go, <laughs> so like I'll hold the ladder, up you go, um, and and we had a lot of fun doing yeah. that, and we used to, you know, to earn a bit of extra money apart from our jobs, we we used to buy and sell old cars, mm. and I'd help him sort out the inside of the cars, the interior, and maybe do some painting of the car, some spraying. Mm. But so, but between it meant going to auctions and buying things and then going back to auction and trying to sell something, mm. you know, it was good fun. Yeah. It was good fun. There's always a lot of, of uh, grease monkeys about, yeah. you know, mechanics and the like, but, but you know, they're all, they're all good fun. It all, sounds like, Keith, and uh, you were very much equals in your relationship as well in the way you handled things. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd, we'd always always intended to do that. I mean, we never, in all earnest, we never really intended to get married. It was just that that uh, we wanted to live together. And um, I was a student nurse when we met. I met him at one of these terrible nurses' parties, <laughs> which is all about take the, take the bulls to the cows. It's all that kind of, like, yeah. in, in our that's what we do. Yeah. Traditional. Line the fellows up, line the girls yeah. up, and then push them together. And the nurse parties were a bit like that. How many boats have we got in? Who else can we push in? <laughs> can we get any through the window? <laughs> and Because uh, um, we weren't meant to have men in the nursing home, but we, we got them yeah. in. Um, and uh, so he was one of those blokes that came in. And, um, you know, I saw him and... I, I, half the nurses in my set were mad for <sighs> him. Absolutely, he'd just come back from travelling around Europe, and he was very tanned and he had bright blonde hair and this lovely, really sort of ginger beard. Mm. Um, and uh, he he looked very handsome. He looked very handsome. And it was a, a time he actually bothered to put on a, a shirt. <laughs> For one of these <laughs> occasions, so he was looking quite good, and um, you know, so I heard all this chattering going on around me. Um, I wasn't one for for saying a lot about how I felt in about fellas in front of or anything really in front of all these women that were sort of undressing the fellas virtually. Mm. And um, anyway, but you know, I thought, oh wow, can't be bad because I'd fancied him, but thought, no. Nah. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's not that great. Then I heard all this and I thought, yeah, I'm up for it too. <laughs> so, he's a good man. Yeah. And he chose me. And I was blown away. Mm. I was blown away. I felt like I was the, you know, the happiest woman. And just, uh, well, I still felt a bit like a child then, really. But, you know, I just, I just felt I'd, 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 I'd got the cherry on the cake type of thing. 
Um, but as we got to know each other, you know, we were good friends and there was romance, certainly, um, definitely. Mm. And we wanted to live together before getting married because we both had um, dodgy feelings about marriage, really. We weren't sure about marriage, how we felt mm. about it. Um, because my mother, I was really Roman Catholic and my dad was very, very Catholic. Mm. Um, he's one of, the, one of the Knights of St Columbus, which kind of, you know, within the Catholic Church as a lay, was almost a lay preacher. Okay. And, um, uh, and my, my mum, who converted to Catholicism so that she could marry my dad, she was a Baptist, um, almost became more Catholic after my dad died, because he died when I was a teenager, mm. um, than, than before. So, so she was insisting that the only man that I would um, live with would be the man I married. So I told Keith this. So I said, it's not on. And we'd found somewhere as well. So anyway, he ran me back two nights later and said, I've, I've got a licence. I said, I've got a licence for what? <laughs> you know, car, dog? He said, so we can get married on Thursday. Oh, wow. So it's on Tuesday. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, well, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'm up for it. He said, yeah, I'm up for it. He said, I'll have my fingers crossed. I said, so will I. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the deal. We'd go and do it so that we could live together. And so, you know, suddenly, and we t he told his mum, mm. of course, you've seen Monica about, but if you really knew Monica, you'd know she would have a wedding planned and organised and executed within 48 hours <laughs> if necessary. <laughs> 48 days if she had her own way, but, yeah. you know, 48 hours. You know, so, so, you know, it was, we really thought we'd just turn up in our jeans and sign it on the dotted line and go, but no, you know, it was all the, all the clothes and, you know, yeah. all you the stuff. You could get away with just having a casual... All the yeah. wedding cake, nothing. I say. There's an odd face knocking around somewhere of Keith and I on our wedding day. It's very funny. <laughs> it's big hair up here. I kind of think, wow. <laughs> Well, also so young. I mean, 20 is so young. I know. I know. It would never have occurred to me to... It's, it's a different... You know, what would have happened if my mother hadn't pushed that? Mm. Yes. You know, I'd been going out with boys since I was 14 mm. and I hadn't found a boy that... Well, I had one boyfriend when I was quite young. I was really, mm. really upset when that broke. But I hadn't really had a boyfriend that I was that keen on. Um, and I was really, really mad about mm. Keith. And so, you know, why not? We didn't mean it. But then, you know, you live like that, but people kind of impose it on you. Yes. You know, you're then, you're then suddenly invited to, with all these married couples to things. Yes. You know, so we're having a supper. Yes, it's almost like a thing that happens to you, isn't it? Like there's a form that goes yeah. along with it and a shape and an expectation of how yep. what happens next as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So when did that path so, veer off the traditional for you? I mean, because obviously what happened after you and Keith separated was a very different story. So what was the sort of, what yeah. was happening as the kids were getting, you know, were still little but getting a bit older and you and Keith were separating? How, how did that, how was, what was the starting point of all that? 
I, I think, um, Sophie, I know it's because I'm an old lady now and my dates aren't that great, but <laughs> just to say, I do, it, uh, when, um, when, um, you know, I, I said I was taking down to, um, I was taking down to, 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 to um, on this course mm, with me. Teaching um, course. To feed him, whatever. Towards the end of that course, it became quite clear that the teacher had the hots for me. And um, I didn't know what to do with that. So I kind of did absolutely nothing about mm. it. But it got me... This was a female really teacher? Started... Is, that, is that a um, female teacher or a male teacher? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. That's the one that looked at the class and said, you don't mind her breastfeeding here, do you, lads? Wow, so she went from that to making it quite clear that she actually had feelings for you. Yeah, it's about a year later, mm. but, you know, at the end of the course, not a year. Um, but anyway, at the end of the academic course, when you all start going your mm. own way, she invited me around for tea in one afternoon, and I thought, why not? Um, so I went round minus the kids, minus child. Mm. Keith had them. And um, it was just chatting, and um, yeah, she made an approach, and um, I was quite floored. I didn't know what was going yeah. on, but I had started. I had started reading Spare Rib, and I, you know, every so often there'd be an article um, about or for or from a lesbian in mm. it, and the, the ads at the back were often. You know, for women, um, f for women in wanting to meet women, mm. and so you know the concept was not alien yeah. entirely, um, but I hadn't thought about it that much. I had when I was fourteen, but being a good Catholic girl, I packed it back away yeah. again. Never thought about it again, and um, you know this was this was uh, something that. I found it really hard to put away. Yes. You know, and then um, we had neighbours that were two, moved in two doors up and they turned out to be a lesbian couple. So I seemed to, they seemed to be everywhere coming at me. <laughs> and the, the Pam and Pat, the, Pam was an opera singer. She, were, she was one of the... the main singers at the ENO mm -hmm. and um, she used to come out in the early morning to do her scales in the back garden and I'd hear her you know singing merrily yeah. and I, I just open the window and look out sort of wave and she'd wave back and it just it kind of started almost playing on my mind that these women were living two doors up yeah. and what was that life like yeah. you know so I didn't hide any of this because Keith and I shared everything. So I told him and, you know, he said, well, you're not going to know until you try it. Really? That was his so response? Was yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What do you think that response was about? Yeah. I mean, is that just because he he could sort of see see where you, you... He'd see more of you than you even really could understand about yourself or was it just that whole thing of... Loving someone and setting them free. I mean, what? I think it's more the latter yeah. because he was a he he was basically a hippie. Yeah. 
Oh, you yeah. know, everything was peace, love, and understanding with Keith. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't know it's meeting him now, you know, as you have, but as a young man, you know, um, it was all about. He still signs everything, peace and love, <laughs> but yeah, there was peace and love everywhere. And you know, going to music festivals. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he was a real hippie at heart, and he thought, you know, each of us to our own destiny, and mm. you know. If it's right for you, you'll find it. And if it's not right, you won't. I do find that know? incredibly moving, though. The idea of you, yeah. your relationship, having so much support and respect for each other, actually. I think, mm. you know, amongst mm. the backdrop of all that traditional landscape, your relationship actually was way ahead of its time in terms of actually being able to mm. properly give each other the space to be exactly who you needed to be in the, in each stage of your life, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, for you to talk to him about your... Even to be able to talk to him about your feelings is a very... A pretty alien concept to a lot of relationships when it comes to thoughts and feelings of, a, a, you know, something that doesn't, that doesn't include them, excludes them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he didn't feel threatened and, by it. He just thought, well, you're not no, going to know No, no, I mean, I... I... Uh, honestly, I, I I didn't know what to do. I mean, I I I bought I bought a lesbian home at one stage to show him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this is what one looks like. <laughs> yeah. This is what one, one looks like. What do you think about that? <laughs> How do we feel about her? <laughs> terrible. Yeah, shocking, shocking. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We were so naive. We were so naive. I think it's really sweet, uh, though. It's really charming. It's like, it's proper, like, awakening, uh, uh, isn't it? Wow. It's like doors yeah. opening. Yeah. Like, What's behind this door? This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, it, I guess it was both exciting and scary yeah, really at the same time. It was all those really things. Daunting. But, you know, but the respect and mm. the, the respect for each other's space and journey was very important yes um uh, and i think i think he was way ahead of me in that one yeah and uh, maybe and um he um anyway we talked more about it and um he said i i i think you should find somewhere and um you know as i say just anyway i think we between us we found the number for lesbian line and we gave that a call and had a chat to a few lesbians, and um, and then uh, about coming out, although I I really was very hesitant about mm. it, and I didn't know if it was me anyway. Yeah. And um, but I didn't know what this inability to s- stop it in my head was about. Mm. Um, and anyway, so I did go to a club, and there weren't many around. So I, I went to one and I had, we were so, we developed into some sort of almost suburban couple in terms of when we went out, when we didn't go mm. out. I arrived at this club at nine o'clock. I mean, you know, we had kids. You put the kids to bed at seven and you go to bed shortly after nine yeah. so you can get enough, you can get enough sleep. <laughs> so um, anyway, we, yeah, we went to, went to, um, went to this club and got there really early and, and it was empty, of course. And it was just me and this bar woman. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, I can't bear it. You know, this is like something out of a, out of a yeah. you know, sitcom almost, mm. you know. It's crazy. So, and I had one of these old telephones in the corner, you know, put your money in and dial it and sort of box <laughs> things. I don't know if you remember. Um, and um, anyway, so um, about... About 11 o'clock, or about 11, it must have been before 11, but anyway, shortly before 11, I rang him and I said, look, Keith, nobody's coming. Mm. Nobody's come. It's 11 o'clock, nobody's coming. I I'm, I want to come home. I think I'm going to come yeah. home. So he said, well, do so, but, you know, when you want, but why don't you just get another drink and give yourself 10 minutes or mm. so and then um, get a taxi and come home? If, you know, if it doesn't change. Of course, by the time I'd even got halfway through that drink, it was 11 o'clock and they were coming (laughs) through the door, right, left and centre, and my mouth had dropped open and I was looking at them. (laughs) You know, oh, that's what it has been. It's like, oh, and that, and that, and that, and that. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was, um, yeah, mind-blowing. Yeah. And uh, I met somebody, but... um, I didn't sleep with them that night. Very Catholic of me. <laughs> I wanted to, 
<laughs> I wanted to date somebody, not knowing that you don't do that. But anyway. What do you um, mean you don't do that? I'm putting, well, I, you know, we didn't then, to be mm. honest. If you found someone that you liked and they were willing, Barkus is willing, you'd, you know, you'd jump into Just bed jumped, because yeah. you didn't know when there'd be another chance. <laughs> Well, you might come across another 74 bus almost. <laughs> but, you know, we didn't have to meet, some, meet another person mm. or, you know, or if, if, you know, if you're going to get another chance, whatever. Mm. Anyway, so then I, I subsequently I did sleep with a woman and that was it. I thought, I thought what Keith and I were having was lovely. Yeah. Um, because I loved him. Yes. I do love him. Yes. I still love him. I'll always love mm. him. But, you know, um, this was something else. This was in a different league altogether. And I obviously was very ignorant about my body. And to some degree, I was a nurse. I knew where everything was and what it was meant to do. But, you know, I, I'm not sure I engaged with it very much. Mm. I was, you know, much more about pleasing the other pleasing Keith yes. and, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, my mind my mind blew and and um, I just kind of knew I'd found, I'd found the beginning of my way home. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know where I was going. I don't know where I'd end up or, or if I'd end up um, because of quite some dark sides to lesbian life in those days. And it was um, the Gateways Club was a very famous lesbian club, um, but there were a lot of uh, women that drank too much, and it was very often a suicide. And um, you know, some very dark corners to it because mm. women weren't allowed to be lesbians in those days. Yes, you know, and I subsequently realised it was a reason for me to lose my kids. Although I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that. In, in what way could you have lost your children? Custody. Well, custody, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting when you're talking so beautifully about, you know, finding your way home. And I, I think actually so many people would understand that feeling of, of not knowing your body in that way and of, of, of thinking all about pleasing the other person and not really feeling that you've quite seen the full 360 world of what mm. all of the other stuff can look like, happiness, satisfaction, contentment, mm. in, in every mm. sense. I think there are a lot of people that maybe never quite find that in themselves, actually. Um, sure, that's, sure, that's true. And a lot of fear Sophie, and a lot of absolutely. trepidation of what mm. what shape and form that happiness comes comes in as well. Um, mm. So I think that's that's an amazingly powerful thing. And I think as well it's really sort of poetic in a way that you can have this relationship with Keith that because of its nature and how sort of um, genuinely loving it is, it actually allowed you to do the thing that would mean eventually you'd move into another another chapter. That's, you know, yeah. it's an incredible yeah. thing really, isn't it? An amazing gift. It is an incredible thing. It was also a very painful thing for a yeah. while. Yeah. I, I think, 
you know, when the realisation, it's all very well, you, ha you know, you have grand philosophies mm. and you want to live by them. Mm. But when it starts paining you in the chest, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to maintain those philosophical high ideals. Yes. You know, you, you, you're kind of brought down to what, you're going? You know, that, that's, you're taking my points? Mm. No way, you know. Yeah. There's, there's, which is all. It's almost like a, it's almost like you know, a patella hammer hitting someone's knee. It's it really isn't a, an emotional jerk, really. Mm. I I don't I don't think any of this is thought through. I never wanted to hurt him yeah. by going down this road. He never wanted to hurt me and his family were very much, you know. You keep the boys, Keith. Don't want those influences. And more even the people that knew Keith, his friends, mm. people from the nursery, then people from the school, really didn't understand, you know, what we were even trying to yeah. do. And um, thought that had been bad enough to start with, that, you know, he shouldn't have done all this. And... Um, he shouldn't have allowed me to live my life, wow. so to speak. Yeah. You know, all of that kind mm. of stuff. And it's easy if you're in pain, for whatever reason, to just suck some of that mm. in. And instead of s sitting down and negotiating, you can start with, you go, mm. uh, I'll stay. I'll have the house, I'll have the kids. Yeah. Not, not that it was ever that you know, said like that, but that was the that was the kind of ultimate outcome mm. of all the little bits that were said you know, in the back of his back of his head and, uh, by people talking in his ear all the mm. time. People's attitude to me, which was like I was a monster. Mm. Um, and I suppose after a while, if everyone treats someone you care about like a monster, it's going to be hard for you not to uh, when. Your family said that person is a monster. Yeah. It's going to be hard for you to not to look at that in a bit, mm. look at that way in a bit and go, yeah, you know. So for a couple of years, it was very difficult because I, I knew if I pushed it, I wouldn't get custody. Mm. I was surrounded by women who'd lost custody of their boy children in particular. Oh. Um, and these were, when you said surrounded by women, is this a lot of other lesbians that you'd become friends yeah, with who'd had yeah. gone through similar things? Yeah, yeah. It was a, you know, it was, it was an awful lot of, an awful lot of women that had been in relationships or, oh, you know, um, and then discovered themselves. I mean, it, it, I say a lot. I mean, in the, if you put that within society, it probably wasn't a lot. But the thing is, we were all pushed in the same space. Yeah. You know? And anyway, it's anecdotal, all, and it, matter, it it was relevant to your situation. Yeah. So that meant it it could yeah. it was a very real possibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, uh, so I backed down, mm. and for a, a little while, I was seeing the kids a lot less often than I wanted mm. to. It was like once a week. On a. Saturday for a while, you know, and then uh, that was really hard. That must have been that so was, hard. 
Because you've basically so chosen, hard. you've had to follow your own path for a little bit and chosen something that on the surface of it might seem quite a... Well, it's not selfish exactly, but it's something that's all about your happiness, isn't it, and your future. But you've had to, got to put all these other people yeah, you care so about I was, through it. Yeah, I, I was bloody miserable. Mm. I was anything but happy. Mm. I, um, I, I couldn't... I, I couldn't get into a relationship. I didn't feel it was the right time. I didn't want to bring anybody into yeah. into this. It was our problem to sort out. Um, and bringing someone into that was just going to add to the mess. So I wasn't seeing anybody. And it was just a case of we're trying to work through this thing to yeah. see where we wanted to go. And then, you know, a bit down the road, I'd met Delish. I'd just before Delish, just before meeting Delish, I'd I was working two, three jobs, even though I was actually very ill at the wow. time. And um I was trying to save money for a deposit because I knew if I had somewhere to I didn't have anywhere to take the kids. Mm. I was living in a squat in Hackney. I'm in Hackney, but the other side of Hackney, <laughs> the less lubious side yeah, of Hackney. Yeah, Hackney before it was Hackney. Um, <laughs> Hackney that was full of uh, awful old, almost derelict houses with uh, uh, no heating. Mm. Uh, you know, there's always something in them that meant they were cheap and, you know, women uh, had moved in and taken them over, made them as nice as they could, but they were often missing something. Mm. Important, like heating <laughs> or hot water. If you got heating, you might you might not have a lot of water. Mm. Anyway, so for a ten or a week, I moved in to one of these places while I was saving money and obviously still paying the mortgage and maintenance to Keith and mm. blah, blah, blah. Someone had to be there for the kids, and somebody had to earn the money. So, so you had three jobs at that time uh, as well. Yeah, because I wanted. Wow. Only, I had nowhere to take the kids. Mm. I couldn't take them to the squat because the women didn't want them mm. there. And I could and I didn't want to take them there anyway. It wasn't an environment for them. And um I didn't want to, to I did see them at home. I mean to start with, I went there every evening and um and far from living the gay life, I was going to work, going back to the house, cooking supper, putting the kids to bed, doing the washing. And then going back to my squat, 10, 11 at night, getting up early in the morning to start again. And because I I didn't want Keith to feel he was abandoned, I didn't want him to feel he was alone. And I probably felt, I was probably full of good old Irish Catholic mm. guilt. So I was doing everything I could to make their life easier mm. and to try and normalise yeah. it. So mummy came in from work. She cooked the supper, she bathed them, put them to bed with Dad's help. And, um, and she, you know, I was around. Yeah. They didn't know I was around until the morning when um, I could have gone to work anyway. I wouldn't have seen them yeah. in the early mornings for nursing, nursing duties. But um, whatever. So I, I got the money together and I bought a flat and then hurrah I had someone to bring them to yeah so I could then start negotiating with Keith to have more time with the boys and how old were the boys so at we, this time how little were they um roughly they they were um about four and five oh still very little 
still very little. Yeah. So they weren't aware of anything uh, about your the sort of your new sense of yourself. No, James was. Oh, really? His perception. Yeah, James was. And and Dan maybe maybe a year older than that. So, so I should have written dates. Should have written the no, dates you don't down. Do that. Um, <laughs> it, it's how you remember it is as much a part of 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 the the story as as the you know the actual facts in a way because that's your perception of it. And some it's interesting what how, what your brain does prioritize. But they were just, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you knew that James could, you know, could sense what was happening a bit. And, I mean, did you ever feel, that, did you ever have any conversations with him about about any of it in a sort of broader sense? Or was it just, a, did you just keep the focus on, you know, your dad and I still still love you, still love each other, but we just need to have, do something different now? No, I, no, I, I, I told them um, what I thought was, they could understand. Oh, ah, yeah. Um, probably more all the way along. Yeah. Um, so, um, apart from them being very small, yeah. and um, because Dan, I know Dan was two when um, I started living in this house, this squat. Mm. So that was would have been immediately after we separated, mm. Keith and I. So he was, you know, he he was. Keith always remembers that day as well, so he was two. Dan, I think Dan had, had a birthday. Yeah. And James had started kicking off. Uh-huh. And Monica was there and saying, this is because you can't sort yourselves out. And it wasn't. He was just having a two-year-old yeah, tantrum. Or, you know, it's what they do. Yeah. But people read all sorts of things into your situation when they... Yeah, of course. Um, when they know it. Yeah. It's all about... It's all because, you know... It's like it's all because you've got a sore knee. It's not. It's other things. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all because you're a lesbian. Everything is because you're a lesbian. Yeah, yeah, there's been a tsunami somewhere. It's because Kath's a lesbian. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, actually... That's the problem. As, as a, you know, yeah. sort of newly come... Someone had just come out, were you, did you have much of a sense of what it was like to be a lesbian in that time? So this, this is all in the like early 1980s, isn't it? Or, were you, or yeah, was it very yeah. much just thinking about one step in front of the other in your own world? Not, not really. I mean, um, you know, you, I, I did feel that I needed the company of other mm. women and I wanted to know what was going on yeah. um, for women. Yeah. As I say, I had no idea about the custody thing. Yeah. I had I had no idea where women met. I had no idea that they there was a newsletter mm. where you could where you could you know sent to each other in a brown wrapper so that you could find out what was going on. I had no idea about this a whole underground world mm. that was going on, and it was it was good to be part of it. It was exciting to be part yeah. of it. But subsequently, down the road a bit, when I felt able and better myself would come to this I hope in a bit but I then felt I wanted to change things yes for other women to come on um so anyway um so I felt I, I did need so yeah I was kind of I was involved in both if you like both communities at yeah. that stage you know kind of swinging back and forth but um, well, I can imagine. I'm sorry, Sophie. I can't remember. Well, the no, question I was thinking. Now. No, I suppose I was asking to what extent you saw yourself as part of a bigger community of lesbians in sort of 1980s Britain. I suppose, and I think 
I suppose if you were talking to the women oh. about, you know, had similar experiences of coming out and moving on from relationships where they'd had children and also starting to become aware of, I suppose, the element of the, the seed of activism, really, which then became a much bigger part of your life later on. Yeah. Was that after you'd met Delish yeah. or was it all kind of running alongside, do you think? No, I think that, that came along came along much later, really, or later anyway. Mm, once you had a bit more strength, I, maybe. Um, if there was a large, if there was a large um, gathering about something, then I would go to it. And as you say about involving the children mm. or t- asking the children what they knew about, you know, this, that, or the other. Um, part of how, part of how, I did speak to them obviously, yeah. asked them told them about this and about that, answered their questions as much as I could. Um, But I also felt the best way was to involve Mm. them. Not not that this this wasn't an intellectual thing. Yeah. This was like a gut thing. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to that um, we'd say demonstration, but largely there were celebrations really. There was as much fun as they were anything else. But I know there was something, there was the, the Green and Common Dragon was one of the very first things. It was a, a, a the drag, they were taking the dragon away from Greenham and parading it around London just to raise awareness and a bit of money. And um, so I thought, well, that would be fun. I'd like to go on mm. that. And um, because it was a woman's thing and, and um, I, it wasn't entirely a lesbian base. I was interested in feminism. Mm. So... Um, I I took Dana James to that, and um, they loved it. They had a great time. Mm. I was spot rotten by the women. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it was a real mixed bunch mm. of you know booted lesbians and and heterosexual women with frilly scarves. You know, it was a real kind of um, lovely mix. Mm. And um, so yeah, so the boys were entertained spoil, give them food, um, play games with. I mean, they were falling asleep before I could get them home. They wanted to go home. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I got them back home and, um, and uh, you know, they, they were going on about, well, when, when can we go to the next one? Can we go to the next party? That's can we go to the next party? Yeah. Party with the flags. Party with the flags, Dan, you <laughs> Party with the flags. And um, you just... Uh, so it was a, it was a real mixture mm. of fun. Yeah. And, and, and tension for a long time until, until um, uh, I'd got my own place and somewhere to bring them mm. to. And then, as I say, bit by bit, through talking and dealing with each other's fears and um, and encouraging Keith to, to, not being unkind here, but take control of the situation, not allowing everybody else's thoughts to, particularly his, his mum is very powerful lady. Yeah. <laughs> it still scares me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, she just about does now. She's 98. <laughs> um, just about comfortable with her. Um, but to you know, she's quite quite a formidable uh, lady, and uh, so he did used to listen to her far too much, and 
do what she wanted rather than what he wanted. So when we when we started going down that road, he we both were much happier yeah. with finding our own ways. And he enjoyed being a single dad. He enjoyed all the status it gave him and the, um, all the women thought he was marvellous. He never went to so many coffee mornings. <laughs> it must been, he must have been, you know, just like shaking by the end of the day <laughs> coffees he was ah. given. And it just, um, yeah, the women, really, women at the school, at the gate, really spoiled him. And he got to know all of them. And, yeah. Uh, and they looked out for him. And um, I guess as so. well with you and with your breakup, you know, once all the sort of anger and the hurt starts to dissipate and the new life unfolds for, for both of you and you find, both find yourselves, you know, moving on, it probably really mattered to him that, you know, his sons could see their mother happy, engaged, um, you know, getting involved in, as you say, the celebrations, the activism. You know, it's a good thing to raise raise more male feminists, actually. You know, and I, it sounds like both of you had had the sort of, uh, you know, the sense of the peace of mind to actually want to, to give that to, to Dan and to James as, and to, to raise them in that way. Why, I'm sure that, you know, um, Keith would want them to be celebrating their mum as much as anyone else. It's just that there's always a bit of breakup where it's it's, it's a big it's a big deal to break up after a long marriage and and a oh. shared future. Suddenly, you know, no matter how much you love someone, if if your future changes, and it wasn't your doing, that's a that's hard, isn't it? It takes a lot of adjustment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a. I don't know. I think if either of us had, could could have seen down the line whether we'd have had the courage to proceed with it, mm. but. You know, it, it, it's one foot in front of the other, yeah. and um, and I, 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 as I say, I think it was um, a bit later on, certainly. And if you asked him now, he would have obviously he'd say that. Yeah, you know, of course he'd want he'd want. Um, you know, he says like he always teases me and says, you know, can't do enough for a good ex-wife. Well, we're still married. He didn't really divorce me. <laughs> That's quite sweet. Uh, I think we were going to wait for Monica to pass before we got divorced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the final thing. She's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She still sent us a bottle of something for our 40th anniversary. Really? Oh, Monica, let it go. <laughs> yeah, it's never going to happen. It's not, is it? Never, ever going to happen. Yeah. And I, I still visit her now. I'm not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 um, yeah, Maybe just, she's thinking it's just a phase, Kath. <laughs> Absolutely. And she's hanging on in there. She will let go. I will win. <laughs> um, so when you've got your own place, how's, you, you met Delish and that became a, yeah. a, a really long and happy relationship and which yeah. saw you become yeah. a parent again because together you had Tashka. Absolutely. And what was the process yeah. of um, parenthood and becoming parents like for a lesbian couple at that time? Well, it was a lot better. As to, you know, it's kind of almost as every year went by, really, mm. it seemed to be guessing a bit easier. But um, it seemed it was very stark at the outset. You know, you, you lost your kids, you, it was like you lost your life. And yeah. lots of women did lose their lives, no question about yeah. it. And it was, you know, it was, um, it was kind of like, oh, we survived that. 
but the, you know, issues still cropped up. Mm. We're still going to be, you know, every Christmas, who's having who, what, every birthday, yeah. who's coming to what party. Yeah. You know, um, I think Keith and I could tolerate each other much more than the parents could. Yeah. So for many, many years, I didn't see his family, and um, and my my brothers uh, disowned. For me, really? or except Vincent, because he's also gay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. But yeah, yeah I so um, I, I, yeah, so my my eldest brother and my next brother and the next brother, so three brothers. Wow. Um, just, just I didn't see them in over twenty years. Um, one of them had died by the time we got back in touch. With, oh. Well, his wife got back in touch with me, which was. When I when they saw I'd got my MBE, they got back in touch. Right, and yes. um, so I I hadn't injected myself and drunk myself into a gutter yeah. with my kids behind me. Yeah, <laughs> but all these horrible, you know, projections of of, of lesbian women on TV and everywhere, which way it's just not a nice, you know, Sister George. It's very much the killing of Sister George. That, the film is very much how women were treated. What's the killing of Sister and, George? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a classic. Um, it's a classic film. Oh, brilliant actresses in it. Brilliant actresses. You'd know the names, Sophie, if I said them. Oh, if I could remember I can Google them myself, it after, you'd know them. <laughs> that's one. That's one worth digging out for anybody. Mm. But uh, um, the acting's good. Anyway, um, it was. Uh, so it was like, yeah. So I hadn't seen uh, Colin, who was like, um, like another dad to me because um, he looked after me when I was small, mm-hmm. and because both both mum and dad worked. Mm. And then when dad died, my dad had a heart attack when I was a, like, I was thirteen when he first got ill, and I was fifteen when he died, and. Um, so Colin kind of took over, was almost like the dad of the house. Mm. But his and my relationship was always very strong. So I missed him the most. Mm. Having lost my dad, I then lost him. And, and that was really hard, not seeing him again. And I was, God, you know, as well as being his auntie, I was godmother to his son. And um, he had two boy and two girls, mm. and I loved them to bits. Um, I, have, I was doing my GCSE when his first child was born and um, I, 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 I was doing needlework of all <laughs> things. Surprise, surprise. And um, I made I made Paula romper suit. You know, I was yeah. just like so mad about them. Yeah. And um, just didn't see not them. an easy thing to do, make a romper suit. No, that sounds like cotton. a stretchy fabric as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. It's not easy. Night. I can still see the green check. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, anyway, so yeah, we, we were very close, so that was really hard. And my next brother, um, I did see him. We got back in touch. He came and saw Dan play. Mm. Um, he uh, he was around for two years, and then he died. Mm. Um, banged his head, brick, um, extending his garage, and he had a bleed. Oh, no. It wasn't really noticed. And oh. he, he, um, I'm sorry, that's tragic. Yeah, he died in hospital just slowly. And, um, so that was really sad. 
we're looking forward to spending more time with yeah. him. He'd, he'd met um, Edie and, he, you know, yeah. he wanted to wait till she was a bit bigger so he could chase her <laughs> around. And this was very typical Graham, you know. Yeah. Um, but always the fun one, the family, the joker, as we called him. And um, so that was that was sad. That was hard. Really hard. And so my, you know, my family, my own family, my own children and my partner, I suppose became more and more important mm. because I... Everything else dropped off. My mother didn't really want to see me. Um, and then she developed a stroke, so I, she couldn't talk to me anyway. So that was really hard for both of us. Mm. Um, and in fact, when I was in hospital having my spinal cord open, she was in another hospital dying. Oh. So it was uh, was really, really hard. Difficult time. It's like everything happened, Sophie, those years. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like... Whoa, where's the next thing coming? Yeah. Um, satellites out of the sky or whatever. Um, and then, so, uh, Tashka, Dush and I have been together a um, decent time, about eight years, I think. Oh, a long time. And we started talking about, she started talking about wanting a child. And um, I was quite surprised because I thought it had, you know, would have worn off by now <laughs> being grandma too. <laughs> because she was very much the other mum. Mm. You know, there was, Dan would always, you know, when kids talk to each other and they're on, um, you know, uh, we used to go to these sort of uh, campsites and play parks mm. sort of together thing. And, and um, we, and kids just chat to each other when they're on a holiday. They find another friend yeah. and, and they start chatting. And Tushka, um, Dan's line was always, um, uh, who do you live with? You know, it's this little question, isn't yeah. it? Oh, I live with my mum and my dad. I live with my mum and my nan or whatever. And Dan used to say, I live with my mum and my dealers and my dad. <laughs> my mum and my dealers and my dad. <laughs> it's like, what's a dealish, Dan? Exactly. <laughs> so it was... Um, uh, uh, and James just being that much older, just always it was better at not that much older, mm. but he took on the role of the big brother mm. for 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 Dan. You know, when they were very little and they kind of got lost in the park one day, and it's just like, oh, you know, when you turn around, you can't see your children. Oh. It's probably never happened to you, but um, Dish and I were chatting about something, and we. Both took our mind off. Usually, we've both got our eye on the yeah, children. Yeah, of course. And for once in our lifetime, we both took it off at the same yeah. time. We turn around, where are mm. they? Thought they, you know, um, and they, of course they'd taken off as soon as our eyes were turned. It mm -hmm. seemed, and um, they hadn't got far, but we didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's so terrifying. We, 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 Those minutes feel like yeah, they're going for we hours. Yeah, we had the the, the 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 people of the. I think it was a little. A little festival, um, local thing. So, you know, the, the voices being called out, you know, uh, if you see two little boys going to see to the. And um, anyway, they were, they, they were found and they weren't very, they were just the other, the other side of a field, but we were looking too far. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, they came back and, and, um, you could see James had been crying, oh. you know, with tears down, yeah. down the side. But Dan just looked fine. He looked fine. 
typical Dan, you know, just yeah, not sunny side up Dan, <laughs> you know. And uh, so Dish looked over at him and I said, Dushka, you know, not Dushka, uh, Dan, um, are you not upset? So he said, well, I wasn't lost, I was with James. Oh. And it's that kind yeah. of... <laughs> That's that kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a kind of... Proper just, big brother. It's just so so poignant and that, that was yeah. it. You know, um, James looked after me yeah. and everything else was exactly. fine. Uh, so, and James kind of continued that role with Tushka. Mm. So, when Tushka was born, Dan, James would have been 11 and Dan was 10. So, yeah. Um, and that was that was quite a... I was like getting from the shock of, I think I want to have a baby, to, uh, okay, how are we going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> so how did you do that? Uh, why, why did we do no, that? No, not how, why, how? How did you find, go about get becoming... Uh, exactly. Well, I'd helped a lot of other women get pregnant because that, that's what they wanted. And When you said you helped them, what know, do you mean? You were helping them find... We provide, provided the sperm because... Um, because women, it was still of a time when women weren't getting custody of their mm. kids. That was not, definitely not an arm. Um, so women were too, um, too concerned about involving a bloke. And also then um, they, they probably wouldn't want the guy involved in the relationship. Mm. They would want to be the two parents. Yeah. And, and if... You know, on the basis that there are lots of examples of fellas saying, well, we only want to see them every so often, mm. and then finding that they're actually applying for custody of, of yes. one of those kids or both of those yes. kids. So there was a lot of anxiety and fear around yeah. all that issue. So the best thing was just to provide the sperm. So we used to interview men, <laughs> sit them down in front of a film about lesbians, <laughs> how they couldn't get, how they couldn't, didn't get any help. Yeah to have babies and um, how they very much wanted babies often. And um, it's very hard after that to say no, we won't help. But where were you finding these? How are, <laughs> but, you, how are you recruiting the guys? Just sort of word of mouth? It, word, yeah, word around, okay. word of mouth. And, um, and where were you? So you they know, were coming, what, around women's your... Women's brothers. This, what, coming around to your, what's your house? Or was it, this isn't, this isn't an official thing, is it? This was, was this more... No, this was yeah. just, um, yeah... It's like providing condoms to women in Ireland. You yeah, know, it was always yeah. done in uh, um, under the counter. Exactly. So, so you get these guys come round. You'd say, "Watch this film." Yeah. Watch <laughs> this film. Um, wouldn't it be good if it, some of you might want to be donors? Mm. And then you'd say, "If any of you do, equipment's in the bathroom." Wow. <laughs> and you just provide little bottles, little jars. Yep. And. Um, you know, they would obviously put who they were and you'd check that there were any major illnesses, whatever. This is the thing why they came to do for myself quite yes. a lot. Because we could we could ask sensible questions. So you were doing it in a quite a sort of official paperwork kind of way, even though the whole thing was off the grid. Absolutely yeah. off the grid and and no yeah, no sign of anything. Exactly. we we kept it in our heads really. Yeah. It wasn't you know, it wasn't a big enough number of people to mm. do it to 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 not remember yeah. the guys. You know, so um, 
Yeah, so I've done it for a few friends yeah. and that had worked out. So there were so, babies born out of all of that? Yeah, Amazing. yeah. Sometimes you'd have to have two or three goes, but, yeah, a lot of it worked. And without being um, too sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, nuts and bolts about it is what's coming to mind. Is this like literally <laughs> like a sort of turkey-based type of an experience? Uh, yeah, but... Um, it doesn't take a lot of sperm really to make a baby. So, um, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you would know. Um, anyway, so we, yeah, they, they provide this little specimen. Yeah. And uh, we'd meet the woman and tell her, you know, how long she had to yeah. keep it warm yeah. and get home and, and put it in. I mean, we could usually put a syringe or. Yeah something in with it. It's a small syringe. Yeah. And with that, they draw up probably about five mils mm-hmm. of, of of sperm and insert it into the girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, that legs up, <laughs> that would do the job. Well, that's, I mean, did you know... Other, Scissor on a cushion. <laughs> did you know other people that were providing that service for lesbian couples? Not really. No. There were, uh, you know, there must have been other... Yeah women around but there wasn't really any networking or anything about it because it you know it probably wasn't anything like remotely legal or acceptable or moral or any other Mm. thing so the best thing was to and you know it was important not to expose the men if they didn't want to be exposed and some did and some didn't and likewise with the women you know um there's not letting we didn't want their kids to find out if they weren't meant to find yeah. out. You know, that was was, was a lot of trust yeah. going I can on. See that. So, so um, the so I suppose, yeah, it was very much a kind of very basic physical exactly. thing. Not a turkey baster in sight. No. Far too big. <laughs> yeah, I realise. I see my error now. <laughs> <laughs> It was strange. <laughs> and so, with the the donors, they would then have nothing to do with the with the you know any any babies that came out of that. They they weren't involved. Well, each one is oh, different. Really? Oh, so it's I incredibly mean, bespoke. Yeah, all done in yeah. a very case yeah. by case basis. Yeah, yeah. Some would, yeah. some wouldn't. Some would say maybe down the line a bit. That's an amazing thing you to know. be part of. That's that's real. You know, future yeah. happy stuff. Well. That. Well, when we had. When we had um, Natasha was born, there weren't any lesbian or lesbian mother baby groups, so we started one, and it was great fun. And 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 so was it a similar process of getting pregnant for Delish then? Or yeah, um, yeah, Delish. We had a friend Mm. that that used to come and um, spend a lot of time at the house, Mm. and was great. New knew James and Dan, and they were, from when they were tiny, um, lovely woman. And and she offered her brothers, who, uh, you know, asked them if they wanted to see the film and <laughs> whatever. And uh, a couple of them did, and um, it was from one of those donors hmm. that we made. Um, and, and Dish was happy because he was... Curly head Irish fella. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, 
So that was so that was little Tashka coming yeah. along. Yeah. And I oh I was there through her I was in the hospital with her during the entire process of, you know, obviously starting the the contractions through to the birth. Yeah, amazing. And afterwards that amazing cup of tea <laughs> you have when you've I thought I needed one more sheet, really. <laughs> I'm walking her around, holding her up and then massaging her toe. Not my toe, my back. Yeah, yeah. It's exhausting. Yes. But, but you know, it was, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought she was so clever. I couldn't relate it to what I was going to say, that, yeah, all. you've been through the same thing yourself, but you just just felt different when no. it wasn't, wasn't you and you were that. That's actually a very unique perspective to have, isn't it, on becoming a parent when you've been the one previously to carry the babies and then seeing your partner yeah. go through the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it really was amazing. I, I did just... I sit now when I see James and, and Daisy when she's produced another mm. child. He looks at her like she's, you know, she's just the most amazing creature that ever, ever, yeah. <laughs> ever put on this planet, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I, I certainly thought I thought Dewish was amazing. Yeah, noisy but amazing, <laughs> and so clever to produce that child. Yeah. But yeah, you could hear a street sway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unlike me, I was quiet. I was well behaved. <laughs> Don't do anything wrong. I was far too quiet. It's far too inhibited. Yeah. Well, maybe if you'd had um, a baby later on, you might have been a bit noisier. You were still in your quiet, quieter yeah. phase of your life. <laughs> I was, I was, I was trying to do it all right. Well, talking about a more noisy phase, when you you founded Regard, which is the disability LGBTQ activism group, like, yeah. is that over yeah. thirty yeah. years ago yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. So, so around the time that, that was Tashka was 18, born, is that eighty nine, ninety? Okay. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years after after Tashka was born, I've been. In, I mean, I I worked. I can even though. My disability was coming on. Um, I I um, I had to have periods when I was off, but by and large, I always worked. Mm. So I just had to work, uh, do a job share instead of a full time work, um, which I like because I could spend more time with the boys yeah. at home, um, and uh, I could do work at home yeah. when I because I I I um I was I was a job share. At um, London, it was on a borough of Camden, and uh, with Jane Campbell, who's in the house, she's Dame Jane of Surbiton mm. now. She's in the House of Lords, um, and uh, yeah. So we 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 um, it's largely training disabled people to to become trainers, awareness trainers, okay. and then equality trainers as it became. Right. As it would be called now, intersectionality it's mm. called now, I think. But anyway, diversity. But in, it was a, it's, it's always the same thing by a different name. Yeah, yeah. You know? But we're looking at equ equality and we're developing courses. But the thing is, you could do, it, it meant that I could not only work those three days, but I could throw in the extra course at the weekend mm -hmm. and earn some extra money for the family. Um, so it was, it was do it as you could as mm. well. You know, I didn't have to do the self-employment thing if I didn't feel like yeah. it. And if I wasn't well enough, I'd just stick to the three days. And um, and then, obviously, it, it, because I was doing awareness stuff, I was working with 
disabled people in, on the left hand and and lesbians on the right mm. hand. And they never, the two never mixed. The LGB community and the disability community never mixed. Yeah. Um, and I felt, oh, I need to, I need to do something about yes. that. Yes. As I said about, you know, you go back and you look at something and you think, oh, I need to, I need to, to uh, change this now. Yeah. I need to, I, I, I need to make it different. So going in and assessing that regard was to bring those two communities together so they could learn about each other and they could provide services for each other. Yeah. So like, you know, get some clubs that were accessible get some, you know, pamphlets in the, from the gay community that was accessible, um, have interpreters and all this kind of thing. And on the other hand, get lesbians to appreciate or get disabled people to appreciate that, that the LGBT community existed. Yeah. And that, you know, they, that because they were very down on it, because sex was not something disabled people ever talked about. So uh, talking about other sexualities was horrific for them, really. And we're not used to it. So um, obviously that's in general, but um, there was a lot of awareness raising needed doing and acceptance and fear. Fear is always something that stops progress. Mm. It's just fear. Mm. You know, if we, if we include all this LGBT stuff into our disability work, people won't want to talk to us as disabled people. Mm. It's just it's that kind of fear. So, yeah, it was bringing those two together. I've set up regard. It was, yeah, 19... 89, 90, so so these years ago. Yeah, that's so forward-thinking, um, I think, because actually, you know, you think about the importance of, I don't know, pride marches and gay clubs and all that that community, but you, you I should imagine that, as you said, a lot of people might have gone, well, you know, if you're, um, right, you're a lesbian, you want to go to a gay club, there you go, there's your gay club. And then, oh, what, you're, a dis- you're dis- disabled, okay, so that means you can't go to that one, but you can do all that other stuff because we're working on that over here. And it's like, no, I want to be able to go yeah. to that club. That's where I want to be. Yeah. And having to yeah. actually think about the access and, I don't know, if it's a pride yeah. march about where the vantage points are and where you can, where wheelchairs can go and how you get access to yeah. it and all those things that just normally would just totally fall yeah. off the radar, really. Yeah, it was terrible, yeah. Sophie, to start with. It was absolutely shocking. Yeah. I hadn't got a ball's notion, as they say, back home. Anywhere. They really, really didn't have a clue. And there was a lot of resistance. Yeah. You know, people didn't want to do it, so to encourage them to want to do it. And did you have lots of people really... coming up to you, you know, as soon as you started forming the organisation, saying, this this means so much to me. I felt a bit invisible up until now. Oh, stop. I mean, that used to make me cry every time. Because whenever we put on a, a, a large enough event, mm. there was always someone. It used to amaze me how people used to, you know, I used to use a power wheelchair for work, but, you know, I could get into my ordinary wheelchair to get home, get in the car, whatever. But, you know, to have to use a power wheelchair all the time out on the street is pretty heavy going because you don't know where the drop curbs mm. are. The whole, the whole nine yards, yeah. you know how it goes, trying to get on a train that's not accessible, etc. And they weren't accessible in those days. But we'd, on many occasions, we'd have people that were women that would travel. She was women, some men, obviously, travel, uh, you know, miles. They'd come down from Scotland. They would come from all over the place to get to London to meet another person like mm. them because they had never met a disabled person, never met a wheelchair user that was a lesbian. Wow. Never met, never met, you know someone of small stature who was gay, 
a gay man. I mean, it, it was just unbelievable that they put themselves through so much and without bringing their carers, you know, couldn't bring in a, a system mm. with them, which they really needed, mm. because that person would tell the person back home where they'd been. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And that was too... Oh, it was extraordinary. I can't believe, really, when I think about yeah. it, which I don't that often, but when I do, how, how hard it was. Yeah. And so, yeah, I used, yeah, I used to sob. I'd get them to stay in my house the weekend so that they could have, could have a chat about their lives, their lives. But, um, and it made the boys very comfortable with disabled people. They saw them come into the house. We used to have our meetings. Yeah. We were 10 years before we got an office. We had, we had all the regard meetings at our house. Wow, yeah. So they'd see, you know, this one's blind, that one's deaf, this one's <laughs> a whole bunch of disabled people with different impairments going around the house, getting, you know, having tea, more cups of tea, this one's staying over, mm. one's going home. And it, they just got very comfortable with yeah. it. And, um, Do you think it helped you? I mean, was there any part of you that needed to come to terms with being disabled? Or I mean, we haven't... When, when you've spoken about it, you've spoken about it in a sort of fairly matter-of-fact way, in a way, like, well, that's just what was happening then, right. so this is how I adjusted. But, you know, this is the, that's yeah. another whole other thing that you were dealing with and fluctuations with that and changes of what yeah. you're capable with. And, I mean, when you look back, did it, can you sort of see how much you were really having to cope with all the time? It's, it's a lot of things to, to take on. It was. It's certainly spinning. I mean, I, I, if I look back, I think, A, did you really do that? And B, you must have been bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> Fruitcake, what did you do that for? <laughs> um, and did you know, not being able to ask for help because you didn't know who you could trust, um, a lot of that meant you kept things inside. Mm. You didn't really, until much later on, when I felt, when I'd met other people and I felt much stronger and I felt, you know, if Keith had any difficulties with anything, I could cope with it. But increasingly, he didn't really. And I've had a few, you know, um, well, what's it going to be like if he or there? But by and large, he didn't. And often he would come along. He would come along as well in the end. So, um, but uh, yeah. I, 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 um, it's changing now quite a lot, my impairment. Um, I have a lot, of mm. in, a lot of incontinence to deal with now. It's, feeling, it's double incontinence, which I'm dealing with now because my, over the last three to four years, my, spinal's, my spinal cord, um, it's like a cyst in the cord mm. and it was always the same size and it's grown significantly. So it's because now it's lower down the back. Mm. It's hitting my, all my, from all my waist down. Mm. So w walking is much harder. Yeah. And... Um, but I've I've lost bladder and bowel control, it's gone, and and that's very hard if you go somewhere, and you know I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, and even in the bath, I don't know what's going to happen. So you know I'm still trying to work at, you know, at regimes. You know if I if I do this every day with my bowel, learn to 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 empty at these times. You know we're yeah. trying all sorts of different products, potions, herbs, um, physios, yeah. you know, to, to see if it will help. But, you know, it, it, I never thought, I always said to myself, when I get to that far, 
that's it, I'm ending it. But, you know, you have those days, but then you have days where, you know, Daisy sends me Kitty, you know, pushing her belly out, and I want to, I want to see Kitty in the flesh pushing her yeah. belly out, you know. Yeah. And, and although there's always, there's always something else I, I want to do, and, you know, I love my, I love those kids, and, but yeah, I was the one that did say that when it gets that, that's it, that's when I'll stop. I'll take myself off with dignitas and, mm. you know, end it. It's not really how and the human spirit say, works, though, is it, as well? It's like um, the the will to to push on and survive things is actually, it, it's a, it's a louder, louder shout than that, I think. It's not really, it's not, yeah. you never, well, obviously, I don't have a, first-hand experience of it but what from what I can see that that will of the human spirit to keep going even when the box gets smaller and the room gets smaller is actually it's a really strong desire that um yeah yeah it's a real it fight. is a real fight yeah yeah and I think that's the I think what you, you're saying just brief briefly what you're saying earlier about um about the the you know when you're in the situation when you're just told You've got to have your kids now, or you're just told, um, you know, this, the, the cyst is going this way and it's pressing yeah. on this nerve and whatever. Things are deteriorating in a different way. Um, y- you might have, you know, an hour perhaps of sinking, but then, the, the, then the, you know, before you know it, you're fine, you're trying to find a way around mm. it, you know. Fighting, literally fighting. Yes. Hanging on by the skin of your teeth. And actually, to get... you've done quite a lot of that, haven't you? Quite a lot of fighting and hanging on by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a bit of a thing. I don't want to anymore. Yeah. I want to lay down and play with my grandkids and have some well, fun. Well, those days will come. You know? Those days will come. We know well, you'll have your, you've had your second I'm vaccine sorry. now as well. So, you know, it all yeah. starts to yeah. open up again. And I suppose I'm a yeah, conscious... I'd love to have met you in the I flesh. I know, well, don't worry. I'm very sorry about no, that. No, don't worry. It's, look, we're still, in, we're still in a precarious time. We haven't seen Richard's parents in over a year and a half. You know, it's it's important oh, to... Uh, yeah. we ha- I think we've gone, become quite good at being patient. And we have, and you, you know, we have all... I've had my first jab. You've had two. Like, you know, we're, we're, there is progress. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess... You're to, right. Just to sort of finish up, because I'm aware I've kept you for a really long time. Yeah, yep, um, yeah. How significant was it when you received your MBE after all the things you'd gone through to get to that point in your life? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Stop yeah. with. I passed it to James and said, you know, can you read that for me? <laughs> I'm not sure it's for me. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> um, so it took me a while to to absorb it. But, um, uh, you know, I was blown away. I was blown away and delighted and felt very humble mm. as well. Yeah. And um, I also, you know, I did have a bit of time to reflect on all those yeah. people that, as I say, put themselves out to travel miles to see another human like them. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, that was amazing. But I also, I also, when I looked at the, at the paper, it says, for services to the disabled, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community. I thought, how are they going to say that? But <laughs> they did. Good. I just got Tasker's, I just turned, got Tasker's <laughs> um, 
gr- big grin at yeah. the back um, of the hall and I was having a good, good chuckle. Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, so nice. much of the LGBTQ community and its progression is about whose shoulders they're standing on at each point to get, you know, to raise them up to the next bit. So you're, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, so you've true. given your shoulders now. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. And to go from someone that felt they didn't really have much of a voice with that to now actually being someone that's been yeah. recognised in that way is, is brilliant. And yeah. also, you haven't put yeah. me off custard, which is another... I, <laughs> I love custard. Even I the gory, gory tale we started with can't put me off custard. No, oh, that's funny. <laughs> Forget it. Forget what I said. I didn't say it. <laughs> and you have the legacy of your, your lovely... Your sons and your grandbabies. That's a good thing, too. Oh, oh thank you so yeah. much, Kath. Well, and God, you, you're on. an amazing oh, woman. Oh, no, God, come on. You're, come on, you, you, listen no, to your no, story. No, 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 I'm not coming <laughs> on. You are you are amazing, and this is all important work, and it needs to be done, and you're doing it. Oh, it's it. a privilege. Fabulous. I love these conversations. I mean, honestly, but it, the stories, what people have achieved, ah, it's brilliant. It's just so exciting, and I'm it? very glad to give you, give you a space to record it, and then, uh, I, yeah... And then Dan can listen back. I have been I have been listening to podcasts, ah, and I think they're cool. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, thank really you for being good. part of it. I, think I always think of it a bit like a desert island, and every every person I interview, we're like getting a good clan of people. Um, so yeah, welcome yeah. to the island. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> Proud to be there. <laughs> thank you so much to Kath for sharing her incredible story. Isn't that incredible? So many amazing moments. Um, I always know when I've had a particularly delightful conversation for the podcast because I go around telling everybody about the conversation I've just had and everybody's jaws drop at exactly the same moments my did and get the goosebumps at the same moment. And Kath's story is just incredible, incredible. What strength. I can't get my head around that. It's so moving. It actually makes me want to cry. The idea of living in the squat and working the two jobs and earning the money and still going back to look after the boys in your, their own home so that you could just keep custody, keep access to your children. Because in the 80s, a lot of lesbian women were not able to still see their kids. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And what an incredible job Kath has done to help other disabled um you know, members and supporters of the LGBTQ community keep them having access to to those events. The significance of that is is huge, actually. Uh, one thing I didn't make clear in my intro, I realised, is that Kath actually is, um, she is in a long-term loving relationship with her girlfriend, Lynn. And very sweetly, Lynn is someone I asked her about this. I didn't, I didn't even realise this, but Lynn is someone she actually dated way back at the beginning, one of her first girlfriends. And now they are back together and, and very happy they are too. So, yeah, uh, what an amazing story. Just incredible. Um, and I don't think, she doesn't seem to realise quite how strong she is. That might just be my perception, but that's how it feels. And so kind and supportive too. Ah, so thank you so much. Rizzo is still with me, would you believe? She's just sat here quietly. You know, I, I sound surprised because Rizzo, out of all my three cats, she's normally really standoffish. But she sat here with me the whole time I've been with you. That's very nice for me, actually. Good bit of uh, therapy catting. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's enough from me. I've got to go and still choose what outfit I'm going to wear today. I don't know. It's either going to be this... They're all vintage. Uh, I've got a yellow dress, a kind of sparkly peach one, and a blue one. I'm leaning towards sparkly peach. That's the mood I'm in today. 
Hope you're in a sparkly peach mood yourselves. I'll see you next week. That's love. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big